I want to start with the exhortation I gave in the back room there because I think it's needed. There was a time where Syria in the Bible attacked Israel. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, coalesced with 32 other kings. That's a big army. And compared to Israel, it said that Israel was like a, a little flock, not even of wolves, of goats. That's how they looked compared to 32 kings joined together to attack. About 7,000 people in the army of Israel. Really small army compared to a mighty army. When Israel defeated them, some of King Ben-Hadad, the Syrian king, they came and said to him, Oh, you know what? The Israelites are very, very strong in, on the hills. Because their God is the God of the hills. But if we go to fight them in the plain, in the valley, we will defeat them. The Lord revealed that to his servant, and the servant went and spoke to King Ahab. He said, you know what? They're planning to attack us, but this time in a plain, in a valley. Because they say our God is the God of the hills. From the Syrian perspective, when they say their God is one of the gods with small g. Now we have our God, they have their God, their God is strong on the hills. But when the prophet is uh, conveying the message to the king, he say, they say our God, capital G. Is the God of the hill, therefore is the God of the hill and not the God of the valley. And he say, the Lord has sent me to tell you that he is going to defeat them. The Lord has sent me to tell you that he is the Lord. In other words, our Lord is saying, no, is the God of the hills and the valleys. I said this morning to encourage you, and I reiterate that here. It's very easy and pleasant and joyful and a happy thing to do to praise the Lord when we are on the hill, everything is okay. Promotion, you know, salary, new job, you know, birth, all those nice things we love. Praise the Lord. But in the valley, the first question, is God really aware of where I am? It's easy to see God on the valley, on, on the top, but in the valley, People start doubting God now. Is God really aware of my situation? I don't think so. It's taking so long. I'm now desperate. This is frightening. Does really God realize where I am? But listen to this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
He is with me. Radical faith. David was hiding in caves. God was with, the, with him. And they called the place the rock of escape. God is rock of salvation is also the rock of escape. We can run to him and be safe. He was with Jonah in the belly of the fish which is likened to death to the Sheol. God was with them. It's very important that we are very clear which God we believe in. We believe in. Remember I told you last Sunday about the prosperity gospel by the back door. Remember that? Okay. I've sent to some of you a very, very good preacher in my country, southern Congo, was preaching that as we were preaching on Sunday. He was preaching. I was sent an audio message of what he was preaching when he said whether we live or we die with Christ. He was a very reputable lawyer in the city, an elder and good preacher. On his way back after preaching, collide with a truck. The car was totally damaged. He was dead. They show one picture with his Bible coming from the pulpit and one picture he's laying down covered and the car damaged. And his preaching is gone all over the world. When I saw that, I said, oh, that's what I was talking about. A preacher can die as well. A believer can die in a car crash. So you see, there's so many things that really, sorry to use this word, annoys me. That prosperity gospel to say, a Christian cannot get sick. A Therefore, when you get sick, you think God is against you. But we're going to die at some point. It doesn't matter how we live this world. Let's be armed with those things and serve God daily. Prosperity gospel comes in many shapes and forms, I'm telling you. A Christian can die, a Christian can suffer, a Christian can lack money, a Christian can, can, can suffer everything everyone has suffered. In fact, even more because we are in an alien land. When you add the works of the enemy against, remember what he said to the Lord? If you, if you worship before me, I will give you everything because I give to whomever I want to give. But because we refuse to bow before the enemy, we are in an alien hand. We should expect more attacks from the enemy. What is this teaching? God is on my side. God is on my side. God is on my, in my side. I've told you in Nigeria there is a very popular song. People like that. He is always on my side, by my side. People really like that. The Bible asks the question, who is on the Lord's side? Joshua said. Jehu came to capture and to kill Jezebel and he said, who is with me? That's the question. Who is on the Lord's side? Why are we saying things that makes nice, they please people? God is always on your side. Whether you offend him, you know, you don't respect. He's always on your side. He, makes, he looks good, but it's not true. There is a choice to be made. 
a sister pray in the back room and say, Lord, we freely choose to come to worship you. It's a choice. We have to choose who is on the Lord's side. You see, we've come up with our own stuff. They look good to please people, to make them feel good. God is good. You know, in French we say, Dieu est bon. I used to say, il n'est pas bonbon. It's not a sweet. Bonbon means sweet. It's good, but not good, good. That's an encouragement to you. The God of the hills is the God of the valleys as well. Be with God. Paul said, I know whom I have believed in. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed to him until the end. Whether we go up or down, let it be with Christ until our day is over. I'm telling you, prosperity gospel is causing a lot of damage. I went to Ivory Coast, I think, uh, I don't remember, Jennifer is not there to remind me, but um, I don't know in which year, and the pastor who officiated at our, our wedding, we went to greet him with Jennifer, and we got in his office, and he said to us, like that, oh, the car that is outside is not my car. I have a Mercedes. We come to say hello to you. We don't want to know your car. But that demonstrates that things were now rotten. He wants to make sure that we come from, from England, from Ivory Coast at that time. We've noticed that now he has a Benz, not a Honda. In fact, Benny Hinn says, if a pastor chooses to drive in a Honda, that's not a good thing. Now, now, seek what is humble. We are allowed to be ambitious, but to the measure of the grace God has given to us. Okay, let me close that door and go back to, to Jezebel. It was supposed to be a short encouragement. It seems to be the sermon. Lord, we bless you and we say thank you this morning. In particular, we say thank you for the fulfillment of your promise. Not to leave us orphans, but to send us another comforter, helper, paracletos, the eternal, holy, and good spirit of God, God the Spirit. We say thank you that uh, he leads us in all truth and uh, remind us what Jesus taught us and also convict us of righteousness and uh, uh, judgment and sin. We thank you, Lord, because you have not left us to our own devices and error and mistakes, but you have provided. Have your own way. Thank you, Yahweh, Jireh. We give you praise and glory this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The missing dimension today, part 11. Part 11. The missing dimension in Thyatira, Part 11. Discerning and confronting the spirit of Jezebel. Discerning and confronting the spirit of Jezebel. Building on what we 
shared last week. Gonna do uh, quite a few readings, about three or four. Starting with the main reading, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 to 29. That's Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 to 29. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 to 29. <clears throat> And to the angel of the church of Thyatira writes, This thing says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Verse 20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because... You allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent for of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Verse 23. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the mind and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Verse 24. Now to you I say. And to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the death of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. 25. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule over them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. 28. And I will give him the morning star, he who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Well, one can fairly laugh at this closing sentence. We all have an ear. Why say he who has an ear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Remember what I told you previously. We use spiritual language to explain spiritual things. And the natural man does not discern these things because these things are only discerned spiritually. Therefore, there is a need to be born again and to be filled and led 
by the spirit of God. Otherwise, it's just fairy tale. Some people don't understand why are we putting so much effort in this? Why? It's only a church. But what is at stake is your soul. Is your soul. And then they're working with the Lord. And then the reward. So these people here, remember I mentioned to you the doctrine of the rest. There is always a rest. There was a rest in Israel. Those were people the Lord revealed to Elijah. No, I have other 7,000 people who have not bowed before Baal. That's a rest. There is always a rest. There was a rest in Israel. There was a rest everywhere in Pergamos, in Tatara. There's always a rest. Maybe here as well. Verse 20. Jezebel called herself prophetess. Which also means, in the context, inspired. Because the prophets were holy men of God who spoke as the Spirit inspired and led them. So what Jezebel is saying, she is inspired. Remember I told you that uh, I don't use much the word anointing. Check out all my teaching and see how many times I used that. In fact, many, many years ago, I was accused uh, by a church member who went to accuse me to the pastor. But it didn't make sense to me because when I preached, the pastor was there and said, Guy was boasting that he is an anointed uh, servant, something like that. I said to the pastor, you cannot even begin to consider that I don't use the word anointing. Just take, just take that. It's a false witness against me. I've never said that. Everybody knows I've called myself a preacher to the unsophisticated. I struggle to speak. Sometimes during the teaching I ask for meaning of things. So there's no reason really to boast. I will be a full person if I do that. Because you, you understand before I speak because your English is polished. So it was a lie against me. And I said to the pastor, I don't use the word anointing. I don't like the words. That's not true because I don't say that enough. I use words like being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized, being renewed. Those are the words I used. And when I use them, I use for everybody, not only me. But Jezebel proclaimed, declared, appointed herself to be a prophetess. That she was inspired of God. How could she possibly be inspired of God when God was against what she was teaching? Clearly, Jezebel was a false prophet, a false teacher, because she was teaching the servant of God. To she did not just teach. She taught and seduced. Oh, she taught and seduced. Remember what I told you many months ago. If you are 
a young girl and the man is approaching you want to marry you if they say to you you've seduced me they are insulting you say i'm not a seductress if a man said to you <laughs> i was sitting in a meeting married couple meeting and the pastor was saying giving advice to the ladies and he was saying oh you don't need to neglect yourself you know when you know your husband is coming you know try to seduce him etc and everybody was happy and i left i said no pastor seducing the word seduce had only one meaning it's like the word sin and the meaning is negative there's no positive meaning to seducing oh and he tried to ridicule me you know what i mean i said no 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 use the correct word okay you were pastor use the correct word i don't want my wife to seduce me because the word seduction comes from the greek word apoplanao apo attracting planao through charms and spells and magic that what seduction means young girl if someone comes to you and say you seducing me say no i'm not a witch my people perish for lack of knowledge you see there are nice words you see we use them yes yeah, she said you know she said that jezebel was a chief seductress the devil is the one who seduces us how does he do it through magic through witchcraft through sorcery all those things remember what i told you about the galatians what was used to turn them away paul say who has bewitched you to turn you away from the truth that's seduction and the bible speaks of deceiving seducing spirits that will prevail in the latter days So Jezebel calls herself prophetess she taught and seduced I've explained you what seduction means how she got to that for a servant of the Lord to bow down and commit sexual immorality like that there must be a lot in it because God protect his servants but she must have used some very high level demonic technique and they did not watch they let her do that it became a problem it becomes a rule it becomes a teaching and she begin to teach people to tolerate sexual immorality in the church there was no more boundaries not only that but she also taught people to eat things sacrificed to idols oh how did that happen why would they let someone go that far in the church but guess what there were people in that church who held to that doctrine it's still called a church and then they boast themselves the passage you have in there i think it's in 23 there 24 the the, the passage you have there those who have not known the depth of satan listen to the next as they say 
Now that as they say is a boasting. You don't know. We know the deep things of Saturn. You don't. We don't. They don't. Jezebel has taught them the things of the devil. They got so deep and they start mocking and developing a superiority complex over. We know this. We know demonology. We know this. We know that. We know that. The Lord look at the rest, probably the minority, and say, don't worry. You hold on to what you have till I come. Let them boast. We know this. We know this. We know them. You know. When we, in 2000 and last year, I think it was, someone from the congregation came to me and said, you need to prepare a teaching on generational curse. I say, what does that mean? So we need a teaching on uh, demonology, uh, the structure of demons. Oh. I say, what does that mean? He said to me, do you believe in demons? I say, no, I believe in Christ. So you see, people have so many. So I say, no. People fighting the good fight of faith according to Ephesians 6.12, we will teach them how to fight from the Bible. And I say, by the way, where did you get, where did you get that uh, material for demonology? Where did you get it from? It's not in the Bible. Where did you get that from? No, because, because someone was a witch. He was a chief magician when they came to Christ. They now reveal how it works in the pandemonium. And they've now written material. I said, okay. All right. And believers are very fascinated with all those things. They like that. Demons, 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 demons. Demon. They know nothing about Christ himself. The church time is divided 50-50 between the devil and Christ. And people are quite happy. It makes them feel great. <laughs> one day we were praying. And uh, one of these uh, kids was praying, you know, no, no, we're not scared of the demon because uh, God is great. Probably Salid. I can quote him because he's not here without paying copyright. <laughs> and uh, Lord, you are great, you know, even if the, we go through the valley of the shadow, just as we pause to give an exhortation, there was a panic alert in the house. Oh, we've heard a mouse. He was the first to run. I said, what? You're afraid of a mouse? And you deceiving yourself against the roaring lion, a mouse? We quite do those kind of empty declaration, which shows immaturity through the kind of things people say. But the devil is nobody's friend, I'm telling you. You want to know the extent to which he can cause devastation, look at in the life of Job. We're not playing here. The devil is nobody's friend. And most of the things attributed to the devil are not of the devil. Because if the devil does something, it's so serious. It's so serious. When he passes and lifts his footprints, you will know this is the devil. This is too bad. But people are just playing devil, devil, devil. No. Hide in Christ. Fight being in Christ. Who won? 
He's the only one who could say, I know the devil is coming. He has nothing in me. Verse 24. Those who held the Jezebelian doctrine also, I've said this already, also boasted of knowing the, de- the deep secret of Satan. That's what it means. The deep things of Satan. It means the deep secret of Satan. They were boasting about that. They had a superiority complex, etc. But the Lord still encouraged his people to hold on to the truth. Now, the doctrine of Jezebel is similar to Balaam, Balaam's doctrine that was also taught in Pergamos. Exactly the same. Sacrifice things to idol, commit immorality. Same. Doctrine of Balaam. Doctrine of Jezebel. But we see that in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, we have a bit more details about it. But in those two churches, into those two cities, there is something quite particular compared to other churches, other cities. In Pergamos, there was the throne of Satan. In Tartara, there was an opportunity for people to learn the deep things of the enemy. So he was ruling in that city as well. That's the result. Where the enemy is ruling, he doesn't mistake his target. His target is to hurt God. Number one. Number two, to cause God people to worship him. He's been in heaven. He knows the glory of God. He's after it. He wants us to bow down before him. But that cannot happen openly. He has to do it cunningly. By stealth. By infiltrating us. And distracting us from the Lord to him. And he comes in small steps. Sexual immorality plays a big role in that process. In uh, Numbers 25, that will happen. The Israelites remained. The expression is remained. They were not supposed to remain. They were supposed to be walking. They remained in Shittim. Acacia groves. Another word for all those is sacred pillars, sacred trees. Whenever you see the word grove, Acacia, Shittim, it means something really bad. In modern version, they are all even referred to as obelisk. And we know where that comes from, historically. So the people of God are sitting now amongst the sacred pillars of the Baal, and they start taking Moabites, wives, committing sexual immorality, sharing food that was sacrificed to idol, and ultimately they found themselves bowing down before the bear. That's what I mean. It comes in small steps. Again, a warning to those wanting to get married. You need God, men and women. It comes in very small steps. You can find yourself gone. 
Pay attention and be 100% sure that you marrying, you taking a man who loves God with evidence and vice versa. People can disguise themselves. I'm telling you, it can change very quickly. And you will find yourself having to make choice between God and something else. That's the strategy in the Bible. Those who have snared and trapped the people of God, they've come through sexual things and marriage, mixed marriage, etc. And then you find yourself, you are gone. Many sisters have found, many sisters have found themselves in difficult situation because of desperation. We have to be careful. I remember that good sister. She was really on fire. She loved the Lord God. She kept quiet and she stayed with us in the church for three years. And uh, when she was about to go back to Tanzania, she was saying goodbye to the church. She said, uh, remember me in your prayers. Um, that the Lord will open a door for me to be married, but in the meantime, I'm serving him because he is my husband. Oh, hallelujah. I say, wow. For three years, nobody knew whether she was engaged or married or what. All we saw was Jesus Christ. And she's leaving the next day. Today she makes a statement. She reveals her need to the church. Remember me. But in the meantime, Jesus is my husband. That means whether I get married or not, I have Christ. There is a marriage supper coming with Christ forever. Rather than being trapped, I prefer to be with Christ. If he opens the door, thank you. If not, clinging on to him. That's the right attitude. I also told you the story when I was, uh, no, I wasn't an elder yet. I was a teaching deacon at Bridge Lane Christian Fellowship and uh, in a service like this, toward the end, I closed the service and I prayed. And in my prayer, I said, Lord, we commit our sisters and our brothers who are seeking your will for their life, for their marriage, etc. May you guide, may you lead them. After the service, I was very exhausted, as always the case, and went to sit down in the office. And a lady came to me Anyone remember the name? What was her name? You don't remember. Okay. She came to me. She was a very high professional person. At that time, I was only a finance assistant. So she was very highly qualified, and she came to me, and she said, Gee, you made me feel inferior. I'm not married, but I'm not lacking anything. What kind of prayer is that? I don't need that prayer. I'm not desperate. I'm sufficient. And I kept quiet, wiping my face because I was uh, just coming from the pulpit. And she talked. I was sitting down. She was standing. And she was talking to me in the office. Because I wasn't answering, she thought I was very weak. As many people think when I don't answer. No, I just think before talking or acting. Because when I act, I have sufficient evidence. And you won't have a way out. So she thought I was so weak and she talked and I kept quiet and I said, have you finished? She said, that's it. I said, 
never again talk to me like that. Never. You did not call me to the ministry. You did not reveal to me what I should teach. You don't know how many sisters have that need. Because we are in leadership. We talk with people. We understand the circumstances. Some families are on the brink of collapsing. So we have every right to pray for the church. I said to her, never again talk to me like that. You did not call me to the ministry and let me reveal what you don't know about yourself. You need a husband and you want to comfort yourself. You want to lock yourself in your financial security. That is not true. So never speak to me like that again, particularly after a teaching. Oh, she never saw that side of me. And she went. The next Tuesday, we're having what? General Assembly, thank you. I'm testing you to confirm that what I'm saying is true, whether you remember. (laughs) We're having a General Assembly. And in the General Assembly, the church was announcing that there was a need for a third elder. And Tony Pierce said, you people start praying so that the Lord will raise an elder among us. That lady, she did like this. And she said, we don't need to pray. We have an elder already hidden here because he speaks like an elder. And it was that lady I spoke to on Sunday. So I gave her not what she wanted to hear, but what she needed. And she was delivered. And she said, that's what we need an elder to say. And she was delivered from that day. That's what I'm telling you. We're not here to say just what you want to hear. We're here to help each other to move forward and to be delivered. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If I'm flattering you, I'm not doing to you any good. In Luke chapter 4 verse 7, the devil said to the Lord Jesus, If you worship me, all will be yours. Jezebel called herself inspired, but she was clearly a false prophet, a false teacher who brought in destructive heresies, just as Paul warned us about deceiving spirits. In 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, let me explain you quickly some process here. The wrong attitude and indifference towards the Lord start with unthankfulness and complaints. If we are unthankful to the Lord, if you are unthankful of the Lord's faithfulness in your life, if we are indifferent to what God is doing in our life, then that's the sleeping, sinking slope. That way it starts, first of all. God is not doing in me, he's not using me, he's not doing like in that life. That way all starts. Then after that is questioning God. Asking questions is good, but questioning is a problem. I say to my kid, you can ask me questions, but don't, don't question what I'm telling you. When we start questioning God, Remember uh, the clay and the porters. 
will declare, say to the porter, why hast thou made me thus? You can't question God. That is starting point. Now, that attitude of unthankfulness and complaining leads to stubbornness, disobedience, and ultimately to rebellion. In fact, in 1 Samuel 15, 23, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Quite serious. Too much complaint among God's people is always decrease, a sign of decreasing in trusting the Lord, which displeases the Lord and can lead to rebellion, which attracts in turn judgment if there is no repentance. In your own life, in your family, recognize the Lord's help. The answer might not be the way and the timing you expect, but recognize what God is doing in your life. There are entire Psalms which says, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Praise the Lord for a lot of them. Reason why we should praise the Lord. If we don't, that is sinking slow. That's how we start. Lack of thankfulness. Because of worldliness. Because we have our own expectations and we think God is failing us. God, is failing. We don't see. Do you know what the Lord say? Oh, who by his complaint can add an inch to his life? Who? You have life. I've given you life. You enjoy life. You have fellowship with me. I know your needs. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The rest shall be added unto you. But people have reversed the gospel today. How many people talk about the second death or the coming of Jesus Christ? Nobody. Like in Pergamos and in Thyatira, the problem with the Israelites in the Old Testament was the mixed multitude. Remember that? In Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, when they start to complain, oh, we fed up with this uh, manna all the time, we fed up, no, no, we want something else, you know, in, in Egypt we had onions and cucumber, etc. Now we are fed up with this. The Bible said the reason why they started saying that was because of a mixed multitude, infiltration. Infiltration changed the spirit of obedience. You get people pumping things in you and you remove your loyalty towards God and you start complaining. Mixed multitude who used to eat meat, including meat sacrificed to idol. They look at the Israelites, they're eating pure manna. The Bible calls that the food of the angels. No, they are used to things sacrificed to idols. They want that to be done amongst the people of God. But in the desert, there is no meat. If only we can start catching some meat here, then we can continue to sacrifice to idol. Idol don't like manna. And the Lord said, because of the mixed multitude, they started complaining. We have to be very careful with infiltration amongst us. Now, I'm going to not shock you a little bit, but I'm going to make you think again. I know you're thinking people. But let me take something extreme. What do you... 
how would you react if we have one or two people coming here and they are homosexual and they start attacking your preachers? They start saying, oh, that's too harsh. You know, that's how would you react about that? Would you say, yeah, they, they're always like that. We always complain even ourselves. You give a highway to the devil now to kill your, your preacher. Those things are coming. And quickly. Watch out. You want growth? God say, I want you to remain as you are to have life. You want growth? Growth will come. You can have 100 people in one day and they will come and they will impose the line here. You say, we love Jesus, but we are homosexual. By the way, I use the word homosexual. I've been told that gay means good as you. Therefore, I choose homosexual, which is biblical. How would you react? Would you protect your teachers? Or you say, They're always like that. We're fed up with them. Think about what I'm saying. Or you would say, what? No, that's in the Bible. That's why we're preparing you for difficult time to come. We don't know for how long. Please turn to Numbers chapter 25. Numbers 25. And we're reading from verse 1 to verse 3. Numbers 25, verse 1 to verse 3. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove. Some people have Shittim. And the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. That's the process I'm talking about. That's how it works. I mean, young people, if you can show some refrain with some of the pagan worldly parties, that would be good. Sometimes. Just say, thank you, I'm busy. Just sometimes. You don't have to be in every single party where everything is boundless. There's no boundary in what people... What's your place? What's your portion in that as a young Christian? But when Christians do here, fellowship, pure, bring and share lunch, you don't even feel that you have to be there. But you run to every single pagan party that shows something of your heart. Some people don't feel the need. People make an effort. They work very hard to bring and share. They will never come. They will never attend. But they are in every single worldly party. That tells you something. They don't like the fellowship with the brethren. So that's the process. Get in touch with those pagans. Eat with them in the worldly parties. Adhere to their strategy and bow down to their gods. Now you can begin to see. Balaam was the engineer in what was happening here. Hence the doctrine of Balaam 
which is the same as the doctrine of Jezebel, which Jezebel now brought in the church. Same. But in verse 3, Israel was joined. The word join here is the same as husband and wife joining together. Mixed marriage. That's what it is. In the white society, the spirit of Jezebel runs unchallenged through entertainment and fashion. I said that before. But this spirit can be prayerfully discerned through greed, manipulation, lying, power hunger, and controlling tactics. For example, this spirit can be discerned in Potiphar's wife in Egypt. She tried to seduce Joseph, and when he refused, her sweetness turned into bitterness. That's seduction. She cruelly accused Joseph of attempted rape. And Joseph ended up in prison and lost all his favor, at least from the king. That's a clear manifestation of the spirit of Jezebel. She was possessed of that spirit. The key feature of the spirit of Jezebel is control. Another word, if you want another expression from the spirit of Jezebel, take it from me, I call that the anti-biblical spirit of control. Jezebel equals control. This spirit will pay just about any price to gain power and be the center of attention, will look helpful, will volunteer about everything. A person with the Jezebelian spirit offers manipulative and possessive kind of fake love in exchange for total submission and devotion and never admit guilt or wrong but takes credit of everything. This spirit idolizes own opinion. Ah, you can begin to understand because you're very intelligent people that this is not just women. They are men who have the spirit of Jezebel. The lie is to say, oh, is a woman, so, you know, a spirit has no gender. The reason why people are harassing women is because Jezebel, the original Jezebel, was a lady and she demonstrates, she, she manifests those characteristics and people conclude that is a female spirit. There's no female spirit. Men, and many men have this spirit. And many, I say, have the spirit of Jezebel. Controlling spirits, lie, manipulation. Many men have that. For instance, look at some characteristics. Now, don't be offended when I say she eats, she eats. When I say she, I'm referring to the woman Jezebel. When I say eats, I'm referring to the spirit of Jezebel. Interchangeable. Don't be offended. Okay, let's go. Other characteristic of the Jezebelian spirit. The spirit of Jezebel desires to rule and control other people's life. Characteristic number one. 
Jezebelian spirit want to control other people's life, to be in charge of other people's life. It uses fear, lies, and intimidation to oppress others. Nothing stops Jezebel from getting what she wants. She desperately desires to exercise undue authority. Jezebel hates authority. She manipulates those in leadership. Now, when I say she, it doesn't mean I'm discounting men. Include men in it as well. You can put he if you want. She stirs innocent people to get their emotions out, out of control and will never take any blame. That's the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Jezebel can separate, can get into brothers and separate brothers. Can get between sisters and separate them. Can get between husband and wife and separate them. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Disguising in a very helpful way but trying to achieve something. Families are destroyed because of the controlling and disguised spirit of Jezebel going unchecked and not challenged. She is a control freak. She makes herself indispensable and makes you feel that you always have to confide to her. That's one manifestation of the spirit of Jezebel. You always feel like you have to tell them your secret, your personal thing. So they put you in a position where you feel always that if you don't, you begin to feel bad about yourself. You have to tell them. Very, very, very cunning spirits, I'm telling you. If you can't hold things for yourself anymore, and you feel, I have to, I have to, I have to, why well, run to God and ask for wisdom? There is something not quite right. You should be able to be discreet with your life. A married woman always feeling the need to confide with someone outside about her own husband, her own life. Well, you will destroy your household if you do that. Speak to your husband, speak to your wife, speak to God. There was a time where there was a man who was talking about his wife. When I call him, I say, never say that again. That's your wife. You can't be speaking like that about your wife. You're very quiet and tired. Where we're going to the end of this because I don't want to come back to this again. We've gone from the general to the particular now to learn something and be delivered by God. The spirit of Jezebel lies convincingly and put on masks to disguise her true nature. The spirit of Jezebel does not like those who oppose or contradict her. Jezebel's spiritualizes things to look more spiritual and get to her intended desired outcome. You see, I'm a prophetess, spiritualized to gain advantage on you, ascendance on you, and make you feel that is coming from God. That's the idea. She loves to be in control of information and uses it to impress others and is not discreet. Jezebel is calculative and uses element of surprise. Jezebel undermines others' achievements and she is narcissist. 
I am this, I am this, I am that. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Her default attitude is to insinuate doubt and disapproval. Where that spirit is operating, they will never recognize other things. The default position is to doubt whatever you tell them. Jezebel will only dwell in a place only if she can control the leadership. Only. Jezebel can fake deliverance because she hates repentance. God gave her time to repent. She refused. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Refuse repentance because she's always right, even in the face of God himself. Jezebel is stubborn and insubordinate, does not really submit to any authority but can fake. Jezebel hates righteousness, hates submission, hates repentance. Okay, we're going to stop there. Um, those who have requested this document, you're going to have the full document. Okay, there's still quite a few things here. You're going to have the full document by the time you get home. Those who ask for it. We get all three parts of it. We have to stop at some point. But uh, I wanted really you to recognize the devastation of this spirit. Is uh, we haven't even gone into its origin, where it came from, from Akeda, etc. Genesis ten ten, etc. Where it came from. The low level pit where it came from, that spirit, etc. Is all there in the Bible. But you can find that in the note if you want them. Now, I suggest that we choose the Lord. Who can deliver us? Who can help us? You can begin to recognize these things in order to be freed by God, if you will. Who is on the Lord's side? I'm going to call Chrissy to lead us in the final song. Who is in the Lord's side? Mm-hmm.